Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, changing a culture one man at a time. At Men of Iron, we equip men and grow godly leaders through creating and sustaining one-to-one and micro-group mentorships. Go to menofiron.org for more info. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. It's Steve and Justin live from Anaheim, PA. J-Dub, it's good to see you, man. Happy hey, Monday. Happy Monday. You're looking good. Yeah, thanks, man. You too. Mm-hmm. Appreciate, the, uh, appreciate the compliment. How was your weekend? It was great. It was yeah. great. What'd There's a lot of sports going on. Golf, basketball playoffs. We won't talk about the Sixers. Nah, not, not today. Not right. Maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow. We'll talk. <laughs> Episode 31 is brought to you by the One Center for Leadership in Canton, Ohio, a leadership multiplication platform that transformed communities. Go to onecentercanton.com for more info. We are pumped about our special guest today, Jeremy Moyer. Jeremy has been in student ministry for 11 years currently serving as high school and middle school pastor at True North Church in North Augusta, South Carolina. Since 2015, he has helped grow Element students from 30 students to over 500 who gather together each week. His passion for students and leaders to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and impact their family, school, and community. His gift is growing student ministries, creating meaningful environments for students, and sharing God's word from the stage. Jeremy, in his free time, enjoys sports, outdoor activities, games, and he lives in South Carolina with his wife and two children. Jeremy, welcome to the show, brother. Man, Steve, good to see you, buddy. It's an honor, man. We go way back, Justin and, and Jeremy as well. So this is this is pretty special podcast. I know, I know. Longtime friends. Yeah, man, it's pretty cool. So just tell the listeners who maybe don't go back as far as us a little bit about Jeremy Moyer. Man, well, it's good to see y'all and uh, be hanging out here on your guys' podcast with Men of Iron. Um, man, I grew up. Um, Grew up in church my whole life, so that's kind of like my history, my, my style there. Um, definitely hugely impacted my, my, my family, my parents, and so they definitely raised me up right, as I like to say. Same thing I'm trying to do with my little kids right now. So, Love it, man. He's got that southern drawl, man. Yeah. You hear him yeah. uh-huh. saying y'all and all oh, really? this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that, is that, has that come in uh, since moving down, or has that always been? No, I... When I moved down here, I definitely was like, okay, well, they, well, they started making fun of me for how I, in Pennsylvania, you always said use, right? Like, mm-hmm. use, use going here, use going there. And you guys. I got tired of people asking me where I was from. So I'm like, if I'm going to live here, I might as well talk like I'm from here. So, <laughs> um, but man, we got some real Southern people here on, on staff with us at True North Church. Oh, I believe it. And it's amazing how quickly, when you're in an office with people who, who say y'all all the time or, or have that Southern draw, it, it kind of catches up on you real quickly. And all of a sudden, I remember one time we came back to visit. Uh, they're in Lancaster, and uh, my family was like, you, you talk different. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know it. It was kind of a shock to me, actually. Uh, since 2015, right? Is that how long you guys have been down there? Yeah, we've been down here four years. All right. I moved from Lancaster when uh, my daughter, Brooke, she was about three months old. Wow. Came down here to start a start up at a church, and uh, man, it's been an amazing, amazing journey the whole way through. Man, that's awesome. That's exciting. Well, thanks for being on, man. Like I said, it's an honor to have you. We're about to hit you with take five if you're ready for it. Let's do it. All right. Take five. I'm nervous. You're nervous? He's sweating. What is I'm it? Not- he is in the south. So it's hot. I mean, it's it's kind of hot, but. <laughs> All right. Take five. Question number one. What is the best part about raising a daughter? Raising a daughter, man. Um, that she's so different than me. <laughs> um, I literally remember, I was sure we were going to have a boy. I mean, my whole family is boys, 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 boys. I'm telling you, it. The, the odds of us having a daughter seemed very small. I remember when we did our gender reveal, 
you know, I was convinced we were going to have a boy. There was no doubt in my mind we had a boy. And I screamed like a little girl when I found <laughs> out we were having a girl. And it, it wasn't excitement at all. It was actually just terror or fear. I was like, I, I'm not, I, don't, I can't be a dad to a daughter. I have nothing. I know nothing about raising a girl. But, uh, man, she, they say he, raising a daughter, having a daughter really changes you as a dad and you as a man. And it has definitely softened me to a lot of mm. things and caused me to be more intentional, understanding. But, uh, man, having, raising a daughter is life-changing. Yes, me and Justin can both speak into that. So I would agree wholeheartedly, man. And we can we can we still follow along, sweet baby Bam? Is that like it's a oh, lifelong yeah. hashtag? Oh, it's so yeah. good. Hashtag sweet baby Bam. Yeah, <laughs> Arden, Arden started that, and there's I just looked at it. I was like there's like 700 pictures of her. I'm like, golly, Jeez. who's who's going crazy on, on social media with this hashtag? But just me and <laughs> just me and just me and mom over here obsessed. I guess. Oh, I love it. So good. All right, take five. Question number two. We're gonna talk a little sports because I know I know Jeremy likes his sports. Who uh, is, yeah. who is going to win the NL East this year? The NL East. Because we're talking all Braves fan here, aren't we? Yeah. Well, I, I am a Braves fan. I was a Braves fan when I lived in Lancaster, though, too. So I know. I remember you walking um, into Victory Church wearing your Braves shirts, man. <laughs> it's bold. <laughs> man, I got I got a pull for Atlanta. I got a pull for the Braves. So. The young guys coming up, man, to sign some contracts too. I mean, y'all signed a contract too, so. Hey, the Phillies um, are up and coming, man. Watch out. They are up and coming. You know, second place would be good for y'all. You'll make it. You guys probably pick. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last, though, Jeremy. You know? <laughs> that sounds like a Philly fan. <laughs> that's, that's Ricky Bobby talking right there. <laughs> All right, take five. Question number three is: We know you love home projects. What is the next oh. on the list at the Moyer residence? By the way, that yeah, pool man. is phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, can we flash the – I mean, uh, seeing pictures of the pool come together, it, it's inspired me. Yeah, and, Justin uh, and I, we're waiting for our invite, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I'll pay you to come and build a, a pool at my house. I, I swore to my wife I'll never build a pool again after that one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, built that pool. Um, just never did it before, first time, and just lots of YouTube videos. Awesome. And uh, – but man, my next project really—I I really want to put a a second-story deck out the back of our house. So we have like when you walk up the steps in our house, there's a loft area and there's a big window. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how cool would it be to walk up there and there'd be a, a door instead of a window that you yeah. could walk out onto a deck overlooking the the back backyard and pull like. So I don't—I'm gonna find like a bunch of money before I make that happen. But <laughs> that would that would be really cool. Love it. Awesome. All right. Question number four is. You guys are in North Augusta, so what, just across the river from Augusta, Georgia? Man, the Masters of Augusta. So, I mean, they should just call it the city where Masters resides. So where did you watch, and who were you rooting for? Me and my wife were both pulling for Brooks, okay. Brooks Kepka. Um, we would love to see him win. But then once Tiger really got into the mix, I mean, Sunday we were just – we were glued to the TV, man. We were just like, okay, let's see Tiger do this thing now. And so that was really cool. So, yeah, we actually watched it from Atlanta. Okay. Um, so during the Masters, it's crazy, I'm sure. crazy here in town. And it's our spring break, too. And so we took off work, headed out of town for vacation. So I watched it from a couch. Now, <laughs> last year, I got to be there in person That's and awesome. I attended the Masters last year. So I told my wife next year, I'll make sure to try to get her over there because she's not been yet. And she's dying, too. Very cool. Love it. All right. Take five. Question number five. What is the best part about living in the South now that you're a full-blown Southerner? Man, I, I hope I can carry that title well of being a full-blown Southerner. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, man, the best part about it that I mean, you, you can pretty much be outside 340 days of the year, man. Um, in the winter time, we 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 plan outside all winter long. I remember that was one of the, one of the reasons me and my wife we wanted to move to the south. Not only that, but just the style of life, the slow pace, the hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just love we love being outside, and I love how our daughters being raised down here around some southern bells and just some old geezers who just man just take time out of their day to stop and have a conversation with you when you're going into the local grocery store. Um, just pretty neat. Awesome, awesome, man. We survived. Take five. <laughs> Handled it with professionalism look with at them ease. with no, ease I was, like, I was like those those, those weren't in any questions <laughs> i was prepared for so. <laughs> that's how we like to do it awesome jeremy well we would love to just kind of talk a little bit more about just who jeremy moyer is and, and hear your faith journey and how you came to know christ and how you got to where you are today man definitely definitely um i'm, I'm 31 years old don't know if you guys know that or can tell hopefully you can't tell that yet um <laughs> But man, I grew up. I grew up in church. I grew up um, in a lot of different churches. Uh, my parents were born um, um, Mennonite, and so I was born Mennonite. I kind of that was my first memory of church. Um, not long after that, we kind of got into some um, non-denominational churches, assemblies of God. Every, I mean, almost any church you can think of. My parents had me in at one point or another as we traveled and lived all across the country growing up. Throughout growing up, though, my mom and dad were really kind of the, the pillars, I would say, of where my faith had it start and it have its roots still there today. The same kind of roots I'm hoping to instill in, in my kids as I uh, parent them now. But my faith journey started young. I mean, I remember, I think, getting baptized when I was about 10 years old. And I remember the pastor said this, this prayer one time at the end of his message. He said, if you don't want to go to hell, raise your hand. And that's all I remember from it at all. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. Uh-huh. And I remember like looking around like, Wow, everyone else wants to go to hell like this because like no one else is raising their hand. I didn't know it was like I don't even think I knew it was like a response type of thing. I just knew I, I better raise my hand because, um, and so I remember getting baptized and then going through high school, kind of really struggling with my faith. Um, even after accepting Jesus, being raised in a Christian home, I remember at age fifteen, I remember laying in my bed crying to my mom. Um, and she came, she heard me crying. She came downstairs to tell me what's going on. I was never crying. I was like I remember lifting my face up. And you're saying, I don't know if I believe in God, Mom. Hmm. And it was it was such a, a turmoil for me because I'm like, I'm not only am I a Christian kid, but I'm heavily involved with our church. Like, how 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 dare I doubt this? How dare dare I struggle with with my beliefs? And I think that was a journey that actually eventually led me to want to be in student ministry. Um, what I went through when I was in high school, it wasn't until college I went ended up going to a college out in Colorado, uh, a faith based college, and that really rocked my world that really changed a lot of my perspective got around some guys who were in their 20s my, my same age and i really got mentored well there and um man rededicated my life and from that moment on it's been nothing but god love it man it's awesome tell us about you know what you're doing at true north church kind of your position and uh and just what you've seen at El- as the student pastor at element yeah, so me and my wife, um, we landed at True North Church here in North Augusta uh, just over four years ago, which is crazy. I believe time, time just goes so fast, man. My daughter, I could hold her in one hand when we moved down here, um, and now she's trying to drive the car. So, <laughs> um, But we moved down here. Um, we knew we wanted to move to the south. Uh, we wanted to relocate. Um, and so our, the big thing was, hey, we knew that we were looking for a church. Um, it's part of 
my job is it's my my career so um there was just you can't just move to any place and find a job and so it took us searching a little while but we finally found true north and uh, applied and that's what led us here but the thing about true north that that we love then and, and love today is that it's part of a growing church that's meeting the needs in the community mm-hmm. it's it's vibrant it's real it's alive i saw a post the other day that said it's like like 17 churches close every single day in america Sheesh. not like it's like they just close doors and they just stop having church because um they're just essentially they're kind of dying from the inside out mm. and so one thing i love about true north uh, i love about every church i've really been able to be a part of for my whole um time in student ministry has been seeing churches be alive from the inside out starting with a really christ-centered foundation and striving to make a difference in the people's lives that are there kind of kind of getting out of some of the, hey, why do we do this questions? And say, hey, let's actually look at that. Why do we do this this way? And why does this matter? Is this something we're doing just because it's always been done this way? Or are we trying something brand new? I'm super excited, man. You guys, you'll love to hear this on Easter. We're doing Easter at our SRP ballpark. It's mm-hmm. kind of the equivalent of the Barnstormers. Yeah, nice. And so we're going, we have Sunday so morning cool. church at the ballpark for love Easter. It. And it's going to be an incredible, incredible day. So stuff like that, I think that's what drew us to True North Church. Um, and so, that's some of the our church is going. It's it's growing. It's amazing. It's some fun to be a part of. We are uh, in process right now to add a student kind of building with more kids space and office space. So it's going to be incredible for our students. And so hopefully that's a little maybe over two years away. That's going to be really fun to be a part of and, and see that become a reality for our kids. Um, so yeah, that's kind of about True North and and what what kind of brought us here and drew us to this church. Awesome. Jeremy, what, what what would you say is kind of your philosophy with youth ministry and student ministry? Like what, whether it's a verse or an approach, I know this is kind of a off the off our questions here, but uh, how do you approach, how have you approached student ministry? Man, I, I always feel like I, I don't ever want to give those Jesus answers, <laughs> those church answers where it's like, okay, everyone says that, right? But no, but really, um, my, my approach to ministry probably changed about four or five years ago. Um, I remember when I first got into student ministry, I was young, man. I was, I was 20 years old when I was the first intern. So I'm 20 years old. I mean, we have seniors who are two years younger than me who I'm supposed to be mentoring and leading and being a pastor too. And I remember the pressure to want them to, to like me and the pressure to want them to think I'm cool and, and all that kind of stuff to be accepted by your students that you're leading. Uh, thinking that, well, unless they think I'm cool, unless they accept me, there's no way I can lead them. And I think over the last couple of years, granted, as I have gotten older, uh, I got married, had a kid. All of my perspectives on student ministry have changed so much to the point where, you know, to be honest, I'm okay with one of my kids not liking me anymore um, because really there's such a bigger picture here than the students at our church liking me or thinking I'm cool because eventually that stuff's going to wear off, you know. So five years from now, they're not going to think I was cool anyway. So what's the point in pouring so much time and energy into the cool thing? versus let's pour something into them that's going to make a lasting difference in their life, in their faith. And so when I talk about what our, what our, I guess what you said was our, our strategy or our, our way of doing ministry, you know, our, we have two core values in our ministry now. Our ministry is called Element Students. Uh, you can check us out online, Element TNC, social media, anywhere you want there, Element TNC. But we have two core values. So we try to keep it real simple, belong and become. So just two words, to belong and to become. And our, our kind of taglines off those are, we want students to belong together and we want them to become more like Jesus. And so we just kind of 
said, if we can boil it down, the whole gospel, the whole New Testament, and say, what, what does the New Testament church look like? What's our church and our student ministry supposed to look like it's supposed to be about? It was that we need to give students a place to belong, and we need to give them a way to become more like Jesus. And so that really came out of so many of the stories I read about Jesus. Uh, almost every miracle that, that I recall, there was two things that happened. The second thing was that, yeah, there was a salvation. There was, there was a spiritual moment where Jesus said, hey, come now, follow me. Come leave everything and be like me. But many of those were preceded by him doing something in the physical, in the natural world for them. Think about the, you know, the blind guy, the, the, the woman, uh, the family, the little boy. Like all of these situations, Jesus almost always met a very real physical, emotional, uh, relational need first. Whether it's healing a man's son. Um, turning water into the wine, like all this stuff. He met a very physical need first, and that led way to the spiritual. And so I think for us, we look at it and say, what's the number one thing a student, a sixth grader to a 12th grader, what's the number one thing they need in this world today? Many of them, many of them don't need a physical healing, but so many of it's a relational thing. It's, it's an emotional mm-hmm. thing, a place to belong. And so we say, if we can give a student a place to belong, that they know they're loved, that they're cared about, that we're going to walk with them through whatever life is throwing that their way, we know that that, can make way and lead toward conversations that the student is wanting more of Jesus at that point. First is us just saying, hey, you need Jesus, and we'll figure the rest of life out later, because that's not usually what Jesus did. Jesus, and it's amazing, Jesus usually always started with fixing what was broken in their world first, and then leading in the conversation about following him. So that's kind of our, our philosophy, our theory on student ministry, is that we want to meet the needs of students first, and let that open up doors for them wanting what's behind the door, and that's Jesus. That's cool. And, and I think it also speaks to the community restoration aspect of, of what Jesus did. It wasn't mm-hmm. just, hey, come follow me, be, a, be your own person, walk through life by yourself. Like You're also welcomed yeah. into a community of faith and family that's going to journey with you through those things. Yeah. So that's, that's powerful. Yeah. And in today's, I mean, today's culture, especially for, for young kids, I mean, it, with technology and social media, like it seems like there's so many, you have so many opportunities for a relationship, but it's all through you know, technology, it's not very personal. So I think, I think kids are starving for that deep rooted relational aspect that, uh, you know, something like element provides for sure. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. I think one of the crazy things about social media, you look at it and you, you know, we try to answer this question. You know, we know the reality is that kids are more connected than ever before to the world and to their peers, but they're also more lonely than ever before. Mm -hmm. We try to answer like, why is that the case? And we've kind of, one of the things that we hear and I've talked about a lot is, you know, when I was growing up, I had, I, you know, if I had five friends, there might have been 25 other kids at school who could have been friends with me, who could have talked to me. And those 20 kids maybe didn't want to talk to me. The crazy thing about social media now is since we have a connection to everyone in the world, everyone of those people who don't choose to interact with us makes us reminded of how they don't want to be a part of our lives. So mm-hmm. instead of growing up with my, in my time, I was like, hey, there was like 15 kids who didn't want to hang out with me. Now these kids have thousands of followers or thousands of friends on social media. It's like, man, thousands of people don't want to be my friend. 10,000 of people could talk to me and they don't want to. So mm. I think it's the weight of there's so many more people who could talk to me or care about me and they don't. And that's where I think we see some of our students reaching out on social media, you know, acting out, crying out for help, looking for someone to care. And when social media doesn't even care, it, that's really devastating to them. Mm. Is that the, that's kind of one of our questions uh, is, is what's the hardest part about leading and mentoring youth in today's culture? Is that, so the things kids have to deal with today with social media and technology, is that the hardest thing you think? Man, that's definitely really difficult 
Um, the, the longer I live, I mean, I've only lived 30 years. I hope I have at least three times as long to live yet. But as I talk to, to guys and girls who are older than me, the, the, the theory of history repeats itself. It's just so real. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to a, a, we have a guy who volunteers with us on Wednesday nights. His name's Craig. Craig is probably, he's probably 60, 70 years old. He's not 70. Craig, I'm sorry if you listen to this. He's not 70. <laughs> but man, he's old, but, but he's wise. He, he loves our students. He, he lo- loves serving. But Craig told me the other day, he was part of our prayer team with a group of students who came out after service as a response, and they wanted prayer. And as he was listening to these things, he goes, Jeremy, every one of these kids is, is sharing stuff with me that my friends, when I was there, they shared with, with me hmm. 40 years ago. You know, it was broken families, not feeling like you have purpose, not feeling like you're loved. And so he's like, it's all these things. Other stuff might have changed. He goes, you know, back in the day, you know, we had drugs, we had cigarettes, we had all this kind of stuff that was going on. We didn't have social media, but we had still have everything else that students feel and go through. I think for us, and the biggest challenge in, in ministering to students and meeting the needs of where students are at is kind of the idea, like, it doesn't matter how much you put it in front of them, you, you can't force them to believe. You can't force them to follow Jesus. Because if I, if I could just force them, man, that'd be so easy. And if I could just like, hey, let me make this choice for you. Because I know in the long run, this choice is going to change your life. Following Jesus and giving your heart and your future to God is going to be the best thing for you. So it's it's that struggle to find how to share with them and help them realize what awesome thing it is to means to follow Jesus and what it could be for their life. And you just can't force it upon them. So I think it's the, the most difficult thing. And a lot of it goes with how busy kids are too. Um, you know, I've, I've been re- I started coaching football last year at our, at our public high school. And it's amazing, man. You could be with the football team for three months. And I feel like I got to know those kids more than I got to know students in my own ministry yeah. after four years. You know, because it's like it's every day after practice for, for two or three hours, you know, versus student ministry. A lot of times we're hanging, maybe we hang out two hours a week. But, you know, a lot of that's spent you know, there, there in groups. It's worship. It's, it's a message. It's games. So your one-on-one time with the student is very small compared to a lot of the other adults or other coaches in their life. So I think maybe that the busyness and time might be one of the most difficult things in trying to reach this generation for Christ. It's awesome. Obviously, you know, we talked a little bit about this in your bio, but you kind of, since, you know, since you came on in 2015, you've taken the ministry from what, 30 students to 500. And you kind of talked about your approach as well, but how has it, how has it grown like that in those, you know, four or five years? Yeah, I man. I, I have to give a ton of a ton of just credit just to our church in general. Um, I know sometimes us student pastors think that we're really, really awesome, but a lot of times we we get the benefit of a church that's thriving and growing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, our church has has grown a lot, and with that, it just kind of naturally happens, you know. Uh, so when the church is doing well, the church is thriving. There's families pouring into the church. Um, if you can sustain su- sustainability for a couple years, I mean, our kids ministry is amazing it, it's out of this world and so every year i'm i'm our ministry is kind of guaranteed that hey you're gonna have 50 60 70 kids pouring into your ministry every year just don't screw it up just don't <laughs> mess it up you know and i think that's one of the biggest things um is is being healthy making sure that, that you, you take care of tough issues um you know we're, we're walking through issues now with students with um you know gender identity uh, homosexuality same-sex attraction all that kind of stuff and Every week, those are kind of really big um, issues for us to deal with and conversations to have with students who don't understand why the Bible says this or why the church 
is like this. And so walking through those tough issues with students and building a relationship and a bridge that, that's stronger than just the words on a page, um, that, that means so much to us in reaching out to students. And I think, um, I mean, you guys know this as well as anyone, but like the ways people find out about what you're doing is not what we put on social media. It's about what their friends at school are saying mm -hmm. about what we're doing. Yep. Um, I'm reading a book right now called The Power of Moments that my wife gave me. I think she actually got it from Hope, Justin. But <laughs> um, that book, as I've read it, I've started asking myself the questions like, what are the moments that we're creating for students that really going to leave an impact? What are we doing for students that's going to make them on Monday go back to school and say, hey, this happened at my church on Wednesday. You missed it. You've got to come back to it and see this thing happen. So um, I think trying to create moments that students go, that changed my life. Mm -hmm. Anyone can have a great, normal, run-of-the-mill, hey, show up, eat some pizza, play dodgeball, sing some songs, hear someone talk, and go home. Like Anyone can, any, anyone can pull that off. Right. Mm -hmm. The difference between a student ministry that, that's, that's surviving and just say, hey, we're, we haven't lost 12 kids this week. That's great. Like We're still <laughs> versus one that says, hey, we've multiplied over and over and over again. And we now have students and other churches coming to us and say, hey, what can we learn from you guys? The difference is, what are we doing to go the extra mile in those small moments that make a kid go, that changed my life? Because if we're not changing kids' life, we just become another noise, another thing in their week. So I think creating those special moments through groups, through special events, through um, those, those small things really make a big difference. What's one of those, what's one of those lives changed impact stories in your time leading element that, that just stands out to you? Oh, man. Um, I, man, I'll tell you one that just actually just happened to me two days ago. Okay. Um, so when I was an intern 11 years ago, I had a kid named Will, right? And Will was, I think he was a sophomore in high school. Um, one of those really popular kids, everyone in the school knew him. Everyone in our student ministry knew him, um, really popular. And I remember, um, taking time out. I said, Hey, Will, let's go do something. Let's just hang out. Let's, 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 you know, do something. And he's like, man, look, you want to play tennis? So um, we just we just met up after school one day, played tennis. Um, and I remember sharing with him how much I believe God could do in his life. And he was definitely a solid kid at the time, but I was definitely concerned. Like, I wonder how how deep his faith really is. Is, mm -hmm. is it shallow faith? Is it would it survive when he heads off to college? I think that's one of my that's one of the things I'm always asking myself back in my mind, like. Or what we giving, or what we are providing, and seeing, and imparting to students. Like I think it's enough to get them through high school with a with a Christian mom and dad that they're going home to every night. I think we get them through high school, but the question is, when they are off to college, is what we're doing in their life going to last through that? Mm. And so that was my concern with Will. And last uh, last week on vacation, I drove by those tennis courts, right? That me and Will had played tennis on mm. those times. And I remember the thing about this conversation that I had with Will, thinking, I wonder how he's doing. I wonder because, you know, 10 years later, you kind of just lose, lose, lose contact a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, I wonder if his faith, because I remember seeing some stuff on Facebook a few years after I had, I had left that church and thinking, man, he's really, he's really struggling. He's really kind of falling off a little bit. And I remember seeing something pop up on my Facebook page literally yesterday, um, a post from him about what God was doing in his life. Mm -hmm. So I messaged him as fast as I feel like, Will, man, I can't believe this is so awesome to hear. I'm so glad that you are following Jesus. And he goes, man, thank you so much for taking the time to have that moment and to spend that time with me to pour into me. And even though I didn't really grasp it fully at that time, it stuck with me. Hmm. 
And so I think that's something we tell our leaders all the time. We try to encourage our parents, like, hey, you might feel like your kid isn't listening to you. You might feel like you're not getting through to them, but they hear what you say. They hear it. And it might take them months or even years to come around to fully understanding the power of your truths mm-hmm. that you poured into them. But man, if you stick with it and, and don't quit, man, you really implant some seeds that can really come about later on. That's cool. That's so good. I was going to ask him if he had any advice for other youth pastors or parents, but he just nailed it on the head there right it there. It's so funny because and we mentioned that I met, I think Jeremy, we met like 11 years ago, like you were an intern and I was just starting as a youth pastor as well. It's so, it's so funny yeah. to like look back and, and you think about what you've learned and, and how God has taken you from here to there and what he's been teaching you. And man, it's just, it's, it's, it's an awesome testimony, man. Yeah, learn it every day. Learning every day. I, I'm I'm constantly um, in, in podcasts. I, I love that we're so technology advanced. I can listen to my Bible while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, I guess stuff like that um, is what kind of keeps you going. I remember. I mean, if I could give some advice to other youth pastors out there, um, I was thinking about this as something I would would love want to say if I have any of my friends who are in student ministry listening to this or, or hearing this or anyone in ministry in general or someone who's just trying to lead your family spiritually, mm-hmm. you've got to always go back and remind yourself, why am I doing this? Um, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're leading a student ministry of 10, of 10,000, a church, if you're in a Christian organization, if you're trying to share the gospel with a coworker down at Best Buy, it don't matter what you're doing. You will always grow tired and weary in what you do. Like you're, there's always going to come a point where like, man, I just feel like I'm going through the motions and to be able to go back and refresh and say, Hey, why do we do this? Our church right now is in a campaign that we came off of. It's called For the One. And we've just gone back and just week after week just told stories. Like you said, what's the one thing that you remember that made an impact here? Yeah. And so, man, if you're out there leading ministry, working in life, leading your family spiritually, like always remind yourself, what's the one thing? What's the one thing that's pushing me, feeling me? What's that one thing I'm keeping in front of me to keep moving forward to? So, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that would definitely be my advice to someone out there in ministry who's kind of in the grind of things and maybe feeling like they're not seeing the progress or the growth that they want to see. Um, stick with that one thing and, and uh, don't quit on it. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good, man. Love it. You know, as we, as we wrap up, Jeremy, I'd love to hear you spoke a little bit about guys uh, at, at college who helped kind of mentor you and help you become the man you are today. But who specifically are those men in your life who have helped you become the man of God you are today? Man, the, the list, the list is long. Um, I remember there was also a season in my life where I thought I didn't have anyone. So I don't want you thinking like, oh, Jeremy just, you know, God just rained down rainbows and unicorns on this dude. And he like, <laughs> he had a, a powerful man of God or leader in his life every week that he needed one. I remember, I felt like there was probably two or three years in my middle 20s where I was like, I don't have anyone I really feel as a mentor to me right now. And those were really tough seasons. Um, now, looking back, I can kind of go, you know what? I think there was a lot of guys who would have once mentored me. I think I was, a, you know, I was a little too inward focused, probably a little too selfish, and I probably didn't want to be mentored at that time. And so I try to tell my guys all the time, there is someone who wants to mentor you if you're willing to look around and ask for yeah. someone. Um, you know, So I think some of those guys for me, man, obviously my mom and dad were, were, were huge mentors to me growing up. I mean, as a parent, they, they, had, they had 18 years to pour into me every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we had a guy at a church recently. He was uh, doing a parenting talk, and he just said this. He goes, if I could change the word from parenting, I would change it. I wouldn't call it parenting. I would call it becoming. 
because really all parenting is, it's seeing your kid become more like you. Mm. And I was like, that's so true. Like I became more like my parents were than anything my parents ever said. Now there's good and bad about that. I'm sure there's times my parents wish I would have become more like what they said to become. But the reality is I just became like them. And I think that's what a mentorship role is. You, you put yourself around people that you be, want to become more like. Mm -hmm. So when I got to college, I had the opportunity. There was groups of guys at my college for sure. And I had to look around and say, okay, which group of guys do I want my life to look more like in six months, in a year? You know? And so I teamed up with the guys, um, Coleman, Matt, Ben, Kent. These were some guys at, at my college that, you know, we, we were in each other's weddings, um, stuck together. But those guys in, in that year of, of life for me, that freshman year of college, they shaped my life in ways that I don't think any other human being ever, ever could. And so that was a really godsend to me. But that really came from me becoming vulnerable with them, reaching out to them, yep. meeting them where they were at. I tell our students all the time because, you know, students love sharing everything on social media, you know. And I try to encourage our students all the time. I was like, guys, you don't have to share everyone or share everything with everyone. <laughs> but make sure that there's one person in your life who knows everything about you. Mm -hmm. If it's just one, make sure that you don't, you know, don't pick and choose like, hey, I'm going to share 50% of my life with this person and 50% with that person. To really be mentored, you have to be willing to find someone and trust them enough. Even if you've gotten burned in the past, even if you regretted a decision before, learn from it. Choose a better mentor. Choose someone that you and make a wider choice in that mentor. But make sure that there's someone in your, in your life who always knows 100% what's going on in your world. So. Man, I've been so blessed, and I hope that I can continue to be that for other guys who are following in my footsteps, who are kind of maybe looking up to find someone else that they can look to grow from. Because if there's something that I've learned is that we're not wise enough or smart enough to lead ourselves. And so through the gospel, through God working in us, through the Holy Spirit, and what he brings people into our lives, that's the best thing. Yeah. So good, man. How can people stay connected with Jeremy Moyer and True North and Element and all you guys are doing down there in North Augusta? Yeah, I would say if you guys are in student ministry or ministry that you're looking for, for ideas, stuff like that, follow us on, on social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Element TNC. Um, I don't know if you guys have a link in there after the show, but um, if you want to get in touch with me, MoyerJ26 on, on Instagram. Um, you guys can find me there if you want more information about what we're doing or how we're doing it. Um, we just love, you know, just love the opportunity to serve and to lead. And I think those things really go together. You can't really do one effectively without the other. Love it, man. We love what you guys are doing down in North Augusta. It's, it's a joy to see your face again and just chat, man, and catch up. Thank you so much, man. It's been a real honor. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you guys for what you guys do. Um, I got to listen to some of your podcasts here recently and, just really good stuff coming from y'all. So thank y'all. Appreciate it, doing. man. I just said y'all in like five sentences. Yeah. Row, so. <laughs> you, get, you staked your claim as a Southerner right there. Uh, he just had to, he had a quota for every every yeah. appearance. He's got to get y'all in there so many times. <laughs> well, thanks, brother, man. We love you, and we're uh, we're praying for you, and we just love what you're doing down there at True North. Keep it up, man. Yeah, thanks so much. All See right. you, Justin. Thank, thank you, guys. All right. See you, man. Man, that was a good interview. Mm -hmm. What do you think, J-Dub? Yeah, it's great. It's good stuff. Good stuff, man. man. So we got the Men of Iron 2717 dinner. What are we, like three weeks out, man? Yeah, it's coming. Jeez. I've got a countdown on my, count, on, like, on my whiteboard written big big numbers. May 9th. May 9th. Uh, registration deadline, though, April 30th. 
So that's right. Yeah, let the people know. April thirtieth is the registration deadline. So get it in, man. Get your. Uh, you can go to menofiron.org backslash twenty seven seventeen dinner to register and buy your tickets and sponsor table if you want to, or you can just hit up Justin Watkins over here. Text me. That's it, man. For more info on the podcast, go to menofiron.org backslash podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. You can watch the video version on Facebook or YouTube. Thank you to our special guest, Jeremy Moyer, and our sponsor, the One Center for Leadership. We are out. Peace.